Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchas Macholos Asuras, the laws of forbidden foods. Pedic Hamishoso, chapter 15. These are the laws of Tarubis, of various mixtures. This is what rabbis study when they are studying for their ordination test. These are very basic laws of kosher. Aleph 1, Dabar Asur. In general, if a forbidden substance became mixed, entangled with a permissible substance, if it is one substance with another type of substance, like a banana and a piece of cake, those are two different kind of substances. Then you see if the forbidden gave taste to the permissible. And we learned earlier, there are two ways to distinguish that. Number one is you take a Gentile. We say Gentile because Gentiles don't have to keep kosher. So they're allowed to taste the forbidden substance. Chef, preferably, because he knows taste. You take a, de a Gentile chef. If a Gentile chef is not available, then you take an honest, innocent Gentile who has no agenda here, and you say to him, tell me, this banana was forbidden. Does this mixture taste like a banana? And if he says yes, then it gave taste. If he says, no, I don't taste any banana here, then it's cool, then you can eat it. If you don't have anybody to do the tasting, then the volume is 60 to one. The, the forbidden has to be less than one sixtieth of the permissible. That's the litmus test of contributing taste. Mean b'shein emine, if it's one type of substance with another type of substance, b'nei tam, it has to be contributing taste. Or mean b'mine, but if it's the same species, the same type, if it's a banana in a banana, shef shalami dal or if it's flour and flour, or milk and milk, where you can't distinguish taste, because the milk tastes like milk, then ye bottle berei, then it's majority, that counts. Majority is simple majority. It's a lot less than 60 to 1. Ketzad, for example, we learned earlier that the fat of the kidneys of an animal is forbidden. So you have fat. Fat enhances food. It falls into a, a pot of beans. Some fat in the pot of beans is a good thing. And everything becomes dissolved. And you don't know where the beans are and where the fat is. Because the fat disappeared. It's part of the beans. You have this non-Jewish cook taste the beans. If he says, I don't taste any fat here. Just tastes like beans. Then it's permissible. Because it did not contribute taste. But if he says, yeah, this really, I can taste the fat, it's delicious. And there's substance of the fat as well. You can see it and feel it. It looks fatty. This is a classical, biblical prohibition. It tastes and looks, the prohibition. If it tastes 
but it doesn't feel, there's no substance, the substance is gone. For example, the fat melts and there's really no substance unless you see it. This is a classical example of a rabbinic prohibition. What do we mean when we say substance? Kigain, for example. If there was a olive's worth, 0.97 of an ounce, almost an ounce, in every volume of three eggs, the volume of an egg, the measure we're using here is 1.94 ounces. Three eggs is 5.82 ounces, a little under six ounces. So it's one ounce, under one ounce to under six ounces. If there was a kazayas in three eggs, under, under, 0.97 in 0.582, if he ate of this grisim, the volume of 5.82 ounces, which means that he ingested 0.97 of an ounce of the forbidden. Then he could be susceptible to the lashes. Because we have the two things we need, taste and substance. But if the amount he ate was less than the three eggs worth, less than the 5.82 ounces, then there's only the rabbinic lashes that can apply. So also, if there was not an olive's worth in every three eggs worth, even though it had the taste of fat, and he ate the whole thing, the whole pot, you can only have the rabbinic lashing because the proportion was too little. What's the proportion? Three eggs, permissible, more than one olive's worth forbidden. We learned earlier that there are certain fats, animal fat, that is forbidden. An example of that is kidney fat. There are certain animal fat that is permissible. A classical example of that is the fat of the tail of an animal that has a fatty tail, even though that was a choice sacrifice. Nevertheless, that's permitted. So now, some kidney fat fell into a bunch of tail fat. The tail fat is kosher, the kidney fat is not. Now remember that fat looks and tastes and smells exactly like fat. It's impossible to distinguish by looking between kidney fat and tail fat. If, however, volume-wise, we know that the tail fat was twice the volume than the kidney fat, then it's all biblically permissible because you have far more than a majority. A majority would be 51%. This is 100 to 50 Furthermore, even if a piece of carcass meat became mixed with two pieces of kosher meat, hakel by from biblical perspective, would all be permissible. But by rabbinic law, hakel also it's all forbidden. Because you have to, by rabbinic law, lose the forbidden item because it is so tiny. 
and it may not be an important thing like a piece of meat, as we explained. What is the proportion that will cause the forbidden object to disappear? By rabbinic law, some things are 60 to 1, some things are 100 to 1, some things are 200 to 1. Nimtzas Lamed, we learned there for Shekali Surim Shabbatea, every biblical prohibition, Beni Suri Malkas, Beni Suri Kardas, Beni Suri Hanoah, whether something that would be liable to lashes, something that would be liable to the cutting off of the soul, something which is forbidden to benefit, Shenis Arva Bamachal Amutar, which became mixed into a permissible food, Min Bishene Min if it's one kind of food with another kind of food. It depends whether you can taste it. If it's the same species, the same kind, where taste is meaningless. In some cases it's 60 to 1. In some cases it's 100 to 1. In some cases it's 200 to 1. The exception is wine poured to the idol. Because of the severity of idolatry. The chutz and the exception, another exception is tevel, the produce from which truma or miser has not been separated. Why is that? Why is this such a serious item? And here's an interesting point. Because it has an easy way to correct the problem. You just set aside the truma. You set aside the miser. And therefore... This becomes prohibited when one species falls into its same species, even in the smallest volume, because you should correct it. If it's a different item, if it's one item in a different item, one species in a different species, there we go back to the taste test. Kishar, Kali Surin, like all the other prohibitions. Ketzat, for example, in 7, Tipas Yayin Eskshnapala, Kamachavis Shoyayin, if we're talking about wine, poured by the idolater to the idol. Many barrels of wine fell over it. Hakelos, and it's all forbidden because it's idolatrous, and we take idolatry very seriously. Kamachavis Boyer, as we'll explain. So also a wine, a cup of Tevel wine which became mixed in a barrel of wine, hakel tevel, the whole thing becomes tevel, produce from which truma or maise was not taken and forbidden. But it's very simple. The way to correct it is to take the truma that you need or the maise that you need for one cup and separate it. And fartik, it's very easy. Ches, perish, shvius, Fruits of the sabbatical year, even though if they became confused with their own species, even the most minute volume, not their own species, we use the taste test, if it gives taste, taste. And these are not included in the biblical prohibition, chain Asa. Because that mixture is not forbidden. What happens with sabbatical year food? You have to eat it, as we will learn, keeping the laws of the sanctity of the sabbatical year. So there's a very simple solution. Therefore, the slightest amount is considered a problem. What about 
Lebanon, chametz on Pesach, even though this is not a rabbinic prohibition, this is a biblical prohibition. does not fit these laws. Because the mixture of any type of chametz and non-chametz is not always forbidden. See, we learned if there's pure chametz, it's always forbidden forever, even after Pesach. It's called chametz sha'avar olav ha-Pesach, chametz, which experience Pesach is eternally forbidden. But if it's just chametz mixed into other stuff, which is called taruvah chametz, a mixture of chametz, we learned earlier, that after Pesach the mixture will be permissible. As we learned earlier in the laws of Pesach. Therefore, because there's an easy solution, what's the easy solution? You wait till after Pesach, even a slight amount, is prohibited, whether it's its own species or not, which is a pretty severe application. Why? Because it's easily correctable. Okay. You detain... The same law applies to the new crop, which we learned is forbidden until the 16th or 17th of Nisan. It got mixed into the old crop, so even a tiny bit is prohibited. Why? Because there's the easy way to permit it after the Omer offering or after the Omer date. After the Omer date, 16th or 17th of Nisan, it's all permissible. So this is an important axiom. Whatever has a manner of making it all permissible. Even though the prohibition was only a rabbinic prohibition. For example, something that has been set aside and therefore not touchable. Or something that was born, such as a chick that came from an egg beyond upon the holiday. We learned all of these in great detail in the laws of Shabbat and Yom Tiv. Like Nosnu Bechachomim Shur, our sages did not give an amount for nullification. Because it's very easy. You wait till after Yom Tiv. Then the egg will be permissible. And even one in many thousands, a bottle is not nullified. Shareyesh Derech because there is an easy way for the permissible to come about, and that is time. For example, Hegdish, such as a side, uh, something set aside or born. On a Yom Tov. However, when it comes to Orla, which are the three years when a tree is forbidden, or it comes to the mixture of grain and grapes planted in a vineyard, or forbidden fat, forbidden blood, or blood, which is all forbidden, or something that was set aside for the Kohen. Our sages established nullification ratios because it's not so easy for the permissible to come about because Orla, Klaya HaKerem, Chelev, and Dom will never be permissible and even Truma will only be permissible for a Kohen not for the average person 
Yud Beis Yud Orli, it appears to me, even something that will ultimately have a permissible approach, if it became mixed with another species and does not contribute taste, mutter, it's permissible, which means it's more than 60 to 1. Something that has a way to become permitted should not be more severe than the produce from which truma was not taken, where there's a death penalty. Even there, there's a way of correcting it. Nevertheless, when tevel is not in its own species, we ask the question, does it contribute taste or not? As we explained, don't ask, don't wonder about chametz and pesach. Because the Torah said, all types of leavening you should not eat. Therefore, we're not talking about tarubas chametz, the mixture. We're talking about chametz itself. Is bimashu is even a drop? As we explained. Now, specifically, the following are the measurements given by our sages: hatruma or trumas meiser vaachala vabikurim, the heave offering given to the kohen which is approximately 2% of the produce. Trumas Maser, the Levite is given 10%, and of that 10%, he gives 10%. So it's actually another 1% of the produce. A tenth of a tenth. Bachala and the Chala offering, which we'll learn in details, Rabbi Kurim and the first fruits, all of these, if they became mixed, you have 101, or 100 to 1. And you have to take that one away. You have to separate the one, no matter what that one is. When we start from Zemzen, all of the above list can combine one another. So if you had something that was a mixture of Truma and Truma Smeiser and Chala and Bikurim, it all can be combined. So also, if a piece of the showbread from the Holy Temple fell into regular bread, it's 100 to 1, Ketzad, for example, saw <coughs> the measurement of a saw, a flower, from one of the above. A saw, we say, is about 2.18 gallons of volume. A saw, or a saw from all of them, which fell into a hundred saw of everyday flour, all became mixed. You remove a heave offering of one saw, and the rest, is permissible to everybody. But if it fell into less than a hundred to one, then it all becomes meduma. Meduma is a word we need to learn. This term refers to a mixture of truma or other sacred substances <coughs> With ordinary substances, what happens to this mixture called meduma? It should be sold to the Kohen at the price of truma, with the exception of the original sacred amount, which has to be given to the Kohen. Now, you should know that the price of truma is less than the price of everyday food, because there's a smaller population that can eat it. So there are actually truma stores where only Kohanim shopped. Why would the Kohen go to a Truma store when he can go to a Ralph's or a Gelson's? The answer is because the food is a lot cheaper. Because it's all about supply and demand. The demand is less. The fruit of the first three years or 
the grains planted in a vineyard, forbidden. Here you have 200 to 1. They connect, they can mix one with the other. Combine one with the other. And here you do not have to set apart. Because you're not giving it to anybody. A revius, 2.91 ounces. Shall yayin orla of orla wine, wine of the first three years of the vine. We will serve no vine before it's time. A kloya or the mixture of the vineyard and grains. A shayisa revius, mitzvah for vishneim or revius of both. Shanafal seich masayim revius shall yayin fell into 200 reviuses. 2.91 ounces times 200. Haka mutter is all permissible. Then it's You don't have to separate anything. There's nowhere to separate it to. Not for the but if it fell into less than 200 to one, it's all forbidden. Why do you have to set aside the truma and not the orla and kloya akarim? Shatruma and because the truma is money belonging to the kohen. Therefore, called truma shena kain makbid <clears throat> you can't steal from the Kohen. Therefore, if the Kohen doesn't mind, such as the truma of low-grade foods like figs and carobs, low-grade figs and low-grade carobs, these are all cheap foods, and you don't have to set aside for the Kohen, because the Kohen forgive it. So this is an economic rule of money that belongs to the coin. Now comes the big question. Why is Orla and Kloya Kerem 200 to 1 and the other foods are 100 to 1? As we say in French, pourquoi? Why? Because they're also forbidden to benefit from. So the ratio has to be bigger. Why is 100 to 1 okay with truma, with Kohen food? Because we see that there is something called trumas meiser, the tenth of the tenth that the Levi gives to the Kohen. That's 1 to 100. It's sacred. Something that you set apart. If it comes back, there we got the combination, the, the ratio of 1 to 100 from Trumas Meister, which is 1 of 100. All other prohibitions, for example, the meat of crawling animals, teeming animals, creepy crawlies, centipedes, Vechele, cockroaches, vechele, vedam, and fat, and blood, all of the above. Shiuron b'shishim, it's 60 to 1. Ketzat, for example. Kazayas, chelev, kloyas, and olives worth of the fat of kidneys, which is a forbidden fat. Shanofa, which fell, the tefshishim, kazayas, mechelev, alya, into 60 portions of fat. Of the fat of a tail of a lamb, which is permissible fat. Hakamutir, it's all permissible. Not for the Pachas Mishishim, but less than 60 to 1. Akalasa, it's all forbidden. Chainim Nafal Kisayi Rechelev, so also. If a barley corn volume of fat fell, Tzarashia Sham Kameshishim Seder, you need 60 barley corns of permissible fat. Chain Bishar Esun, and the same goes for all other prohibitions. Chain Shuman Shogidanosha, the fat of the Gidhanosha, which we learned about earlier. That forbidden sinew, which goes back to Jacob's battle with the angel, which fell into a pot of meat. We also measure 60 to one. 
Hagid min aminyan and the fat doesn't count. Hanoshim Divraim, even though the fat of a Gidanosha is rabbinic, because Gidanosha is an independent entity, our sages were more severe with it, like the prohibitions of Torah prohibitions. However, the nerve itself, we don't count that, it doesn't forbid, as we learned earlier, because vein sinews, nerves do not impart flavor. See chapter 8. Halacha 6. Abo, but, as we learned earlier, kal, the udder of an animal, which is where the milk flows from, which was cooked with meat, bishishim, that's 60 to 1, or kal minaminyan, and you count the udder. And we covered all this earlier. Because it's rabbinic. As we explained, hey, Caleb, they were more lenient. Why is it rabbinic? Because milk from a dead animal is not biblically considered milk. It's rabbinically considered milk. Here the animal was slaughtered. What if an egg with a little chicken, it was found in a bunch of eggs. Is the whole pot of eggs non-kosher? It has to be 61 including that. To a good, to the one bad, in other words, 60 to 1. But if it was only 59 to 1, because it's an entity, they added, it has to be 61 and not 60. Again, my understanding, I hope I'm right, is that 61 would be 60 to 1. 60 would be 59 to 1 if you include the object that's forbidden. I think that's the meaning. Twenty abel If we're just talking about the egg of a non-kosher bird, was mixed and cooked with the eggs of a kosher bird. and the Torah does not forbid it. What if they were mixed? Opened and mixed? Or the egg of a non-kosher species or a bird that died was mixed with other, with other eggs. We have the 60 to 1. 21. Now comes the big question. Where does 60 come from? The answer is that you have the ram offered by the Nazirite. Vihi Azraya, what is the what is this offering that is offered by the Nazarite? What part of the body? It is the foreleg. Echod Mishishim Mishan oil. If you measure the ratio of the foreleg of a ram to the rest of the ram, it's sixty. It's a sixtieth. Vihi Mislab Bashelis Ime and the whole ram is cooked together. You then take the foreleg and you offer it. An offering should forbid the entire ram. From here we learn that if it's less than 60 to 1 as the foreleg of the ram is from the ram, it's okay. One species in its same species. When something else was mixed, again, for example, there was a pot. In the pot was fat of a fatty tail, that's kosher, and beans. 
In this part of kosher fat, and beans fell some non-kosher kidney fat. It all melted, it's now one big mess, it's just beans with fat. Now, the kosher fat of the tail and the beans become one entity. Now we have to see if the non-kosher fat is less than 160th or more than 160th. If it's 160th, fine. Because there is no taste, because fat tastes like fat, and they all taste like beans. But the same goes for truma, which became mixed with itself. The Sharon Bameya, you have a hundred to one, or as we said earlier, the they are two hundred to one, we learned earlier. Why is that two hundred? Because it's also forbidden to benefit. When you take this estimation in all prohibitions, whether it's sixty, or a hundred, whether it's sixty to one. 100 to 1, 200 to 1, Mishad, and what do we use? Bemorok, the soup, the liquid, Ubatavim, the spices, Ubakel, Shiyash, Bekteda, everything in the pot. And even that which the pot absorbed after the prohibition fell in. According to an estimation, because obviously nobody knows exactly how much the pot absorbed, it's an, a game of estimation. Here comes an interesting law. May one intentionally nullify that which is prohibited? The answer is no. We may not intentionally do it. If he did, it's okay. But don't do it. Nevertheless, because our sages were concerned that everybody would take this easy route, you have something that falls in and it's 1 to 50, so you add some more. So now you have a hundred. Consuese Chachamim, our sages, penalized them and said he can't use it. The Yastrachamim made the whole thing prohibited, which will not encourage people or encourage people not to do it. Yerali, it seems to me, says the Rambam, Shekim Shuknas, being that it's a penalty, we only penalize the one who did it, but anybody else may partake of it. How does this work? If, I'm sorry, if one saw of Orla fell into a hundred saw of non Orla, and we said earlier a saw is 2.18 gallons. Everything becomes forbidden. Because we said that Orla is what? 200 to 1. You should not bring another 100 saw, be it and combine it. Now it's going to be 200 to 1 because he is being mevatl. He's intentionally going and nullifying the prohibited. But if he did it, it's all permissible because the fact is it became nullified. In a rabbinic prohibition, you can even do it to begin with. How does it work? If milk fell into a pot of chicken, we learned earlier that chicken and milk is a rabbinic decree, because the biblical decree was only milk and meat. But fowl is rabbinic. So now, some milk fell in, and it does give taste, which means it's less than 160th. It's, let me correct myself. It's more than 160th. Marba Allah Basaraif Akhari could put a lot of 
meat of fowl, more meat, until he exceeds the 60 to 1 ratio, or similar, why? Because this is a rabbinic prohibition. We explain, again, we don't, we don't make decisions from learning Rambam, so we have to check with the Shulchan Aruch or ask a rabbi if we should do this. We explain, that if the forbidden substance contributes taste to the permissible substance, that's our kill, it's all prohibited. Now here comes a very central law which rabbis study and rely upon very heavily. When does this apply? If the new taste improved the taste of the old taste. But if it spoiled the taste, if it worsened it, there's a word for this. This is called nosein or notain tam libgam. It contributes a bad taste. It's permissible. Only good tastes become prohibited through the contribution. Bad tastes? Who needs bad tastes? It has to be thoroughly bad. But if in the beginning it was bad, and after it calms down, it's going to be good. It was good in the beginning, but at the end it's going to be bad. It's all forbidden. So if bad stuff falls in, bad stuff doesn't make things non-kosher. We want a good contribution to make it non-kosher, not a distasteful one. Who's going to taste it? If it was the mixture of truma permissible to a coin and mundane everyday produce permissible to everybody, you can have the coin taste it. If the taste of the truma was recognizable, how come it all becomes a mixture of truma and non-truma? This law will be explained in its proper place in the laws of truma. It was milk and meat and milk, a yayanesach or wine poured to as a libation to the idol, the yayan orla or wine of the first three years of the tree, which is forbidden, or the mixture of grains and in a vineyard, which fell into honey, a bosashkotzim or the flesh of creepy crawly things or a mushroom or teeming things, which were cooked in mayorok. With the vegetable, you have a non-Jew, an idolater, taste them. Preferably a cook, a chef, the same people, and we trust him. If he says, I don't taste it. He says, yes, I taste it, but it's disgusting. Then it harmed it. It's all permissible. As long as the end will not make it better, but if it gets better at the end, it's a problem. What if there is no non-Jew to taste it? Then we go back to the ratio of taste. We established a long time ago. What's the ratio of taste? Ordinarily 60 to 1. Special circumstances 100 to 1. Very special circumstances 200 to 1. As we just learned. Lamed Alev. Achbar, a mouse, the sheicher, which fell into beer, or the chemets are into vinegar. Now, where I come from, that's disgusting. Mesharin, I say, b'shishim, we measure 60 to 1. Shonacheshim, because we suspect, shematayimei, b'shecher, or b'chemets, mashbiach. Maybe the mouse will contribute a better taste to the beer. 
or to the vinegar. It'll be like mousy like. Mickey vinegar. Mutter, but if it fell into wine or oil or honey, mutter, it's permissible. I feel an awesome time, even if it gives taste. And they should tell a pagan because it's a disgusting taste. And something that does not improve does not make non kosher. All these have to be good. And the mouse makes it smell. They lose the taste. Again, I want to point out that today, relatively speaking, we live in a plentiful society. Back then, it could be that a beer, a keg of beer, was something that somebody worked three weeks for. So, you know, if you could just pull the mouse out, he'll do it and not lose uh, a whole lot of money. When a lamb was roasted in its own fat, one may not eat even the tip of the ear. Because the forbidden fat, nivla, becomes absorbed in its limbs. And the rule is, even though your cardiologist might not agree, that fat improves food. Ah, it's gishmak. It tastes fatty. It's a pleasure. And it gives good taste. Therefore, if it was a very, very lean lamb, and it did not have the fat of the kidneys. It didn't have the fat of the insides. It only had paquito, a little bit. Then, because we've established that it's only 160th, the problem is it permeated everything. He peels it and eats it until you get to the chaylev. So also, the thigh. Which was roasted with the forbidden sinew nerve of Gidanosha. peels it until he gets to that nerve and casts it away. Put some heat on. An animal which was roasted whole and he did not remove the tissues or membranes that are forbidden if he can peel and eat it and there's a lot of debate as to whether this should be done it should probably not be done when he gets to the forbidden he cuts it and casts it away the whole issue here is it does not give good taste one should not roast slaughtered meat with a dead carcass meat or impure non-kosher meat in one oven. And here the issue is, the oven is an oven. Does the fact that I have something forbidden on one side of the oven carry over to the other side? says, don't do it. Even though one does not touch the other, Solon, if you already did it, and there are so many details here, you can argue that it's permissible, even if the forbidden was fatty, and the permissible was lean, so the permissible is going to suck the fat of the forbidden, because aroma does not make a disqualification. And what brings about the prohibition is the taste, not the aroma. And again, it's not simple. 
The Shulchan Aruch quotes the Rambam's ruling forbidding roasting the two in the same oven, but allows under certain circumstances, certain leniencies, if the oven is very large, or the substances are covered, and etc., etc. Not a simple issue. And finally, the closing paragraph of this chapter 34, Bisar Nevela Maliach, what if we had meat of a animal that died on its own, which was salted. And the rule is that when something is salted, it might as well be boiling hot. The salt is like hot. So we have a salted carcass. Or mixed now together with kosher slaughtered meat. Because it's salty, the non-kosher salty meat makes the kosher non-salty meat forbidden. Why? Because the gist, the essence, the taste of the non-kosher carcass becomes absorbed in the body of the slaughtered meat. Because of the salt. Which one is salty? That bad one has to be salty. Here you can't talk about taste or volume. It's just a fact that it gets mixed. The same law applies to the flesh of a non-kosher fish, pickled, salted, pickled fish. Where a unsalted fish was mixed with it. So the brine, the stuff, the juice of the fish, makes the kosher fish non-kosher. Aval, if the opposite scenario was present, if the pickled one or salted one was the kosher one, and the plain one was was the non-kosher one, the non-kosher one being that it's bland and unsalted, will not cause the kosher one to become forbidden. Even though, let's face it, the plain one does absorb from the pickled one. But not enough where it gives out again. A non-kosher fish was pickled with a kosher fish. The pickling process makes it all forbidden. Unless the pro- prohibited one was less than one two hundredth of the permissible one. End of chapter 15.